Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. Well, look who's back. Mm-hmm. World traveler Lucky. Back Someone. from the, uh, New York and uh, New Jersey. At least uh, New York from the other side of the Hudson, I guess. Yes. Yeah, didn't uh, didn't venture across the Hudson. Once again, a complete disappointment. Yeah. Well, like, it's funny because they had said, uh, you know, a couple of the crew that are with us, like, oh, you haven't been to Manhattan? You should really go across. Like, mm-hmm. Well, one, we've got like, you know, two hours uh, to do that, and it just didn't seem worth it. We see the lineup of cars trying to get through the tunnel. Right. Uh, we go, oh, forget it. At some point, I just hope to call a game at Madison Square Garden, and then I'll see it all. Um, why only two hours? The, the timeline with you and this stuff makes no sense to me. Why is that? Because you landed in Jersey on Friday. Yes. The game wasn't till again Saturday night. Right. That's a lot of hours between Friday and Saturday night to get into Manhattan and back again. Right. Well, one, yeah, the Friday afternoon traffic was a nightmare. We had mm-hmm. dinner with the crew on Friday night in a meeting to kind of talk about what was coming up, uh, storylines for the game. And then on Saturday, once you wake up, you got to get across to the rink which is about half an hour away. We stayed in Newport, which is right on the shore of the Hudson. All right. And uh, in Newark is where the arena is. And that, uh, so you got to get across there for morning skate. And then you come back to the hotel and then you got to go back to the rink. So there's right. no real time on Saturday. So what are you doing at the morning skate? Sharpening skates? Well, what is it that you actually <laughs> need to do at the morning skate? You're trying to get an idea of who's going to be on the ice. Ah. And uh, and injury notes. Uh, it's your chance to talk to the coaches and uh, and get their thoughts on the game. It's a little insight. Working. I'm working I, here. I, I, it makes no sense to me. <laughs> I don't understand all this team meetings and discussions of storylines. What is this? A, an Italian melodrama? What's going on? You know what's interesting too, and, and um, there's a lot of still a lot of cloak and dagger in the NHL when it comes to. You know injuries and who's the starting goaltender and yeah this kind of I don't want to give or don't want to reveal something to the other team as if there's some massive strategy that's going to change as a result of it all. And it's two goalies. It's one or the other. Well, yeah. Well, actually, they they brought up New Jersey brought in kind of a surprise third goaltender. Uh, they reactivated a guy from the injury list. Tony Sorano. Yeah. Yes, Jimmy Hoffa. <laughs> um, well, and, and and as I was, you know. Trying to glean all this information, you're getting nothing from them. I thought, man, this is all going to have to change. Like the NHL is going to have to change this soon because of the gambling aspect of it. Mm. The NFL has gone through this already, where there have been uh, the the cloak and dagger about injury reports and the general body soreness that you hear and mm-hmm. this kind of crap is going to have to be. You know, no, you have to disclose injuries, how long guys are out for. Because the betting aspect of it means, you know, especially in hockey, a goaltender is kind of a key position mm-hmm. when it comes to if I'm betting for this team or the spread right. or that kind of thing. So I have a feeling that at some point you're going to you see some of this cloak and dagger, especially as we come to the playoffs. You're going to hear this. Guys are resting. Well, why are they resting? Mm. And the NBA is having some issues, too, with it when it comes to these load management issues. They've got players that are just don't you know want to play all the games. From a fan aspect, boy, wouldn't that suck if you go to L.A. and pay 500 bucks a ticket and LeBron is resting right. that night for load management. Well, also, if you're betting on the game, you want to know, Oh wait a minute! Is you know LeBron or Steph Curry or you know a star out of the lineup? 
No bada bing? No, mm. no bada bing. Although a very nice restaurant right on the Hudson. It was gorgeous. That that skyline is very impressive. When well, they really go to the cool. shore, if you watch Jersey Shore, and they always refer to it as the shore, and as much as New Jersey takes a bad rap, it, as much, it, it's kind of like, you know, how Oshawa and Brampton and kind of some of the, the towns around Toronto take a bad rap for being dumpy or blue-collar or not that great or, or whatever, and Jersey takes that. But it's actually, there's some beautiful spots. There, <laughs> listen, there are some beautiful spots, yes, that, that Jersey Shore... Don't confuse it with Miami Beach. Oh, two different things. But, <laughs> but people cottage there. <laughs> and I'm sure there's nice parts of it. I'm sure. There's a very nice boardwalk across from the hotel. And, and you know, that's where I took some of those pictures of the skyline of Manhattan. It was very nice. The ride to and from the rink, mm. I didn't know if I, was, if I was going to survive that. Yeah, a little, little downtrodden. Very, very sketchy mm-hmm. area around the rink in New Jersey. And you could see how there could be a body line lost at some point That's i thought so it was going to be mine so true of all uh, i think all american cities i remember hearing um a uh, i don't remember who it was in the chicago blackhawks or when they played for the blackhawks back in probably the 70s or 80s and he had just gotten uh, traded to the team and he was leaving the arena walking out the front of it and he went to go left and somebody was standing there and they said no you always go right you never leave this building and go left literally because <laughs> in in and i saw this in detroit all the time from one intersection to the next is night and day different right burnt out buildings and people cooking over open fires oh yeah and then the next one it's mansions and condos and yeah you you never know what you're gonna get here i am in an uber that keeps slowing down for the potholes and every time he slowed down i thought "Uh oh this is it he's gonna (laughs) he's gonna let me out (laughs) or he's set me up yeah (laughs) and this is how it ends yeah, it is said in, in many American cities that in the middle of the night, if you come to an intersection and the light is red, you just go through. Just keep moving. <laughs> just I, keep moving. I understand now why famously uh, one NHL announcer said in New Jersey that it's the one arena where the shot clock should be outside <laughs> the ring. <laughs> now, did you, as you were landing in uh, Jersey, did you get to see the Manhattan skyline from the plane? No. Yeah, see, I was so upset when we went to New York that everybody told me it's like landing in vegas you gotta see the skyline yeah you gotta sit on the right side of the plane yeah and, the view, and i i didn't see it i can't remember why i think it was bumpy coming really bumping going bumpy going in i can't remember if it was cloudy when we arrived but i just i remember when i got out of the airport you looked across and, and you saw it and you went mm. wow okay, yeah there you yeah, go it's, it's amazing and of course when we went the one and only time i've ever been I didn't even think it through, didn't pre-book my seats, and I ended up sitting in the back where not only was there no view, there was no window. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> what kind of plane were you on with no window? My life. I... <laughs> like your Uber ride. <laughs> Nightmare. People really hate uh, checking bags. One, because you got to pay for it at the airport, and two, because you got to wait so long to get them. And, of course, I never remember people complaining about waiting for luggage. Not that long ago, but that's what we do now. We complain about everything. Uh huh. Used to be, you know, it was just part of the deal. You went on a vacation, you had luggage, you came back, you checked it, you came back to uh, Toronto, you stood there with everybody else and waited for it to come around. But now everybody tries to squeeze everything into a carry on. Well, we only carry about ourselves, right? Yeah. Like we're so uh, self centered. And focused on only ourselves. We will get to an airport like Pearson, get off the plane, 
and expect our bag to be on the carousel by the time we oh, yeah. get to it. Yeah, oh, and we get upset if we get down there and it's not even but, moving yet. Like we're the only plane that arrived yeah. at that time. Yeah. There's a couple of other ones involved. And there's a few suitcases down there, and there's only so many people hauling them out of there and throwing them on the trolley and right. getting them from the plane to wherever it's got to go to next. So, well, yeah. they're having a tough time getting people to do that, job. Oh, yeah, nobody wants it. It's a, there's a lot of jobs at the airport, and that's probably way down the list of mm -hmm. things people want. Anyhow, this is a different take on all of that. A man was arrested after he stole a suitcase from a baggage claim at an airport. Now, this actually, as I'm reading this story, I'm surprised this doesn't happen more often where you get somebody going into just walking into the airport hanging out in that pickup area right and just grabbing suitcases as they come off mm -hmm. chances are the people who own those suitcases either haven't gotten down to it yet or you know there's i don't think that i never noticed a lot of security roaming around that part of the airport anyhow this guy stole the suitcase from uh, from baggage claim and he was found because the owner of the bag had an air tag tracking device in the suitcase now this is a good thing to have these days i think um, the guy who owned the bag had been waiting for his bag to show up, and it never did, so he looked at his AirTag app and realized it had been taken. He contacted security, but apparently there wasn't much they could do. So over the next day, he followed the tracking information himself and then confronted the thief with a police officer. At the time of the arrest, the thief was wearing his shirt and jeans. <laughs> Well, obviously, it's probably a sad story. The dude's probably homeless. Who knows? You know. Well, he was at the airport. Well, he got to the airport, but I mean, he could be very well be homeless and living outside around the airport. Like you'd like, you'd think you'd need to get through some sort of security to get to that baggage claim yeah, section. I guess so. There's not really an in there. Like when you're waiting for someone, you're not allowed into that part of oh, it. Oh, I bet he just came in through the outdoor. Like, you know, when you grab your bags and then you head out to the park, yeah. he probably just hung around that area, and when the door is open, just walked in. Depends, because, you know, when you come through customs and through international, you have to check out kind of thing. You hand off your receipt mm -hmm. after you've get, gotten your bags. When you come through domestic, I was there yesterday, um, and you don't. You just pick up the bag and you go. Now, what's interesting is, at Pearson, there's a ton of baggage that's unclaimed. Like whether it's been lost, mm -hmm. there's probably air tags in it. I, I've heard stories. You hear about them on the plane and in the lounges, the waiting rooms of people talking about how they've complained and they've had to get on to customer service and say, you know, I've got an air tag. Mm. I can tell you where my bag is. Get it to me. It's not where you say it is. It's in Minnesota. It's sitting there right now. And in fact, I took a picture yesterday because in the uh, unclaimed baggage was a kayak and paddle. That must have been yours. <laughs> some, somewhere somebody is literally up a creek <laughs> without a paddle. Yeah, I don't know. See, when we came back from St. Kitts, and that would have been international, we got off the plane, we went through, you go to the computer screens and do, do your customs. customs, and then we gave that piece of paper to a guy who said, all right, very good, carry on, and then we went down, and then we got our bags. Yeah. So once I was down... So once, you once you've gotten those bags, you've got to go through one last little... I didn't have to. ...thing, yeah. No, we just walked. Mm. We just, what I'm saying is, yeah, we just walked out to, to the waiting car, yeah. so I'm saying that maybe the guy... And who knows where what airport this is at. Yeah. He he obviously got in and did it. Anyhow, they found him, and he was wearing the dude's clothes. I mean, I think I'd just say at that point, keep him.
Keep the jeans, keep the shirt. I don't want them. If you, if you were to try this stunt, you'd pick up the one that's full of drugs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dog sauce you on the way out. Yeah. Oh, no. If, I'd feel bad for anybody that claimed my bag. <laughs> Guy just stepped out in 1986. What kind of fashion is this? Plus, if it's your stuff from returning from somewhere, all of those clothes are probably gross and dirty. Right. You want to wear my used underwear? <laughs> So yesterday, it. yesterday, I do carry on for the most part because it's not long hauls we're going on. Uh, and yesterday they were like, oh, well, you know, you've got something in there. And I've got a, like a portable steam iron to steam out the suits when I get there. You're such a princess. <laughs> oh, my God. And so, well, you can't, they get all crushed. Don't they everything. do that at the, uh, don't you can't have that service at the uh, hotel? I'm not sure. Rogers? Enough. I don't think they do it one, I don't think you do it return that day. You got there on Friday. Right. The game is Saturday. You got a lot of time at the hotel. I don't know what you're doing with your time. I'm working here. And you're in the hotel eating. I see you taking photos of pizza, and you're you're in the hotel for a while. Anyway, they needed to check. <laughs> they needed me. They needed to to scan or uh -huh. do that test on this thing. So they had to open up my luggage right. and right away, like I always keep all my dirties, yeah. like right in that opening pocket. <laughs> I'm like, well. There's my ditch if you want to check that. Maybe that's what set off the alarm. Between your CPAP machine and your steamer, you you must have like a like a like a shopping cart. Pretty much that you take on the flight. A separate plane has to follow you <laughs> just to carry all your crap. Keanu Reeves has almost next to nothing to say in John Wick Chapter Four. The uh, Wall Street Journal actually counted, and he only says 380 words throughout the movie. <laughs> and the movie's almost three hours long. Uh, about 10% uh, of his words are spoken in the movie's two-and-a-half-minute trailer, and he says more in that trailer than he does in the first 25 minutes of the film. My goodness. His longest line in the whole thing is this. You and I left a good life behind a long time ago, my friend. That's brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant by Keanu Reeves. Like just <laughs> because at one point he was kind of rided for not being a very deep actor. No, and it, it, there was something with his dialect and his speaking, that kind of surfer boy voice he yeah. always had. Always, everything sounded the same. It was all dude. Yeah. yeah. Booty. Yeah, it was all that. Anyhow, uh, the director of John Wick Chapter 4 says this was all Keanu's call. He says, uh, Mr. Reeves stripped out roughly half the dialogue written for his character in the initial script. That's great. It's brilliant. Yeah. I would do the same thing. Yeah. Oh, why memorize all this crap? You just go and break somebody's arm. Something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's done all right, too, in the, uh, in the bank department with these John Wick movies. His base salary for playing John Wick went from about $1 million to $15 million over the four movies. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Ride that rail for as long as you can. Uh, when John Favreau got his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in February, Robert, Robert Downey Jr. christened it with a piece of chewing gum. It took it like out of his mouth and I guess stuck it to the uh, star. <laughs> that gum is now on eBay with a starting bid of $55,000. Come on. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can, I guess, start... Or ask whatever you want. Right. Someone would have to pay it. But that's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, it, it, these things always are. 
Uh, now, we don't even know if it's legit. The seller claims to have attended the ceremony and scooped the gum up right after from the star. The seller says, I'm selling it in the same condition I got it in, and it can be tested for his DNA. I don't know that Mr. Robert Downey Jr. is going to give you his DNA right. to test this piece of gum. No. Anyhow, if that's something you're looking for. And I love this story. Um, once you declare something in a song, you better be able to back it up indefinitely. You know, you shook me all night long. Yes. Uh, George Thorogood, you better always be bad to the bone. If you're right, said Fred, you, you might be, you have to be all too sexy all the time. All the time. A lot of pressure. And if you're Lionel Richie, you damn well better last all night long. <laughs> and unfortunately, he's not living up to his promise. On The View yesterday, Lionel Richie said, when I wrote All Night Long, it was truly All Night Long. Now, my All Night Long is down to a fierce 15 minutes. <laughs> Thank you, Lionel Richie, for being honest. It is uh, almost wedding season, and either you're uh, going to get invited to a wedding, perhaps you're in a wedding party, maybe you're the groom or the bride-to-be. If you are involved in any way and uh, at some point have to make a speech, we've said this before, get help, steal something from online, do whatever you can. Don't go into it thinking you're funny and it's going to be great. This might be the cringiest speech ever said. It's not even actually the speech. It's from the groom to his bride during their vows. Only two things are required to keep me happy, keep my belly full and my empty. So you're amazing at half of it. We really need to get you some cooking lessons. Even when my belly isn't full, there is no one I could ever love more in this lifetime unless I actually get a chance to meet Margot Robbie. Since the beginning, I was always told life gets even better when the kids fall asleep and you tell me to come to the bedroom. Nothing's better than the sound of gagging and headboard slamming. Michael. P.S. Since you're so good at making decisions like Mary and me, you can choose whether tonight's going to end with being a toaster, shirtle, or a Twinkie. <laughs> all right. Being that I am his mom, I will deal with him later. He is grounded. By all means. Okay, first, my first question, and there's many, what in a sexual uh, situation is a toaster, strudel, or a Twinkie? <laughs> I've never heard these terms before. If somebody knows, please share. Perhaps we shouldn't Google this at work. No, I, I don't think so. Oh, and in front of his mom. Who was the efficient? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I mean, everyone's cracking up, so maybe he has a penchant for doing this. They don't sound shocked by this, necessarily. There's a Well, yeah, there's a couple of moments of laughter, but after the Margot Robbie line, it's crickets. Right, right. Yeah. It's, it's all very cringy. And look, I, I get where he was going. But when you're doing something like that, you have to be a little more subtle. Yes. Just going, my balls. His, his delivery is <laughs> quite matter of fact. Wow. Now, listen, I, I would have to go back and look at my uh, vows right. uh, to compare. <laughs> but somehow, I don't think Toaster Strudel or Twinkie <laughs> ever came up in front of the priest at the church. Gotta love rock listeners. I tell you, we just had this uh, audio of this groom with a very cringy speech during his vows. And towards the end of it, he says to his bride, you get to decide tonight if you're the toaster strudel or the Twinkie. 
We had no idea. We've heard a lot of those sexual terms. Right. The rusty trombone and all of them. Yeah. But these two, the Twinkie and the toaster strudel, were new to both of us. <laughs> well, we are married. And yeah. I've been for quite some time. I've only ever seen the toaster strudel in film. <laughs> and the Twinkie twice. <laughs> Your track record about the same? Uh-huh. <laughs> Anyhow, as Lucky had mentioned just mere minutes ago, it's got a lot to do with the icing. Right. <laughs> Is it on the outside or the inside? And you use your imagination beyond that. <laughs> oh, I am definitely going home tonight to say to <laughs> You want to be a toaster strudel or a Twinkie? <laughs> Should we say, are we having dessert? <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> the summit of Mount Everest is about the size of two ping pong tables. Really? I guess so. It's not that big. Can't get a lot of people standing on that summit. Well, when they go up there, there's usually a, a, a bunch, right? Like, you yeah. know, groups. Be a little tight. <laughs> Kick someone off. Don't get too close to the edge. And you don't have a lot of time up there either. Like no. By the time you get up there, it's basically, all right, got to head back down. You're going like, to run out of daylight. It's like Chevy Chase at the Grand Canyon. It's <laughs> <and laughs> a vacation. So that's it. You just jump up on that. <laughs> yep, made it. Start running down. Down you go. The first text message ever was sent on December 3rd, 1992, by a British engineer. And it said, Merry Christmas. Okay. Yeah. Probably two months later, somebody got back with, sorry, just now seeing this. <laughs> <laughs> said <that> delivered. <laughs> I saw two check marks. Slot machines show fruit symbols because when they debuted in the late 1800s, some of the prizes were really... Just fruit. <laughs> Couple of cherries? Yeah, I guess so. By giving away fruit instead of money, companies avoided breaking gambling laws. Oh. Yeah. The Scott Paper Company was the first company to introduce toilet paper with cardboard rolls back in 1890. All right. When did it come in before that? I don't know. Maybe they didn't have a, a, a roll inside it. Maybe they just rolled the paper around itself. Maybe. I was um, just finishing up uh, Hamilton's book okay and uh you know 1700s and they talk about like all the disease and the sewage and the problems in new york city and philadelphia in the beginning of america and it just it must have just been absolutely gross 99 percent of the time mm -hmm. like every aspect of life must have been horrible <laughs> horrible <laughs> everyone wants to go back to it oh yeah go <laughs> leave me here you go I would have wanted to go out like Hamilton in a duel. Just put a bullet in my head. Well, you think that's why they had the average lifespan of about 30 years. Yeah. yeah, you were an old man if you got beyond that. The chainsaw was originally invented by a German orthopedic surgeon in 1830. Okay, this is another great example of why life was horrible back then. The chainsaw originally invented by a German orthopedic surgeon in 1830. To cut bones in people's jaws. Hey. Eventually, a bigger model was created to cut wood. Because oh. <laughs> you know that the freezing no. wasn't what it was. Oh, no. Bite on this stick while we open up your jaw. <laughs> That's how dentistry was done back then as well. It just took a chainsaw in there. Hey. Years after Wyatt Earp's famous turn at the OK Corral in Tombstone, Arizona... 
He rambled around Los Angeles as an unpaid consultant for silent cowboy movies. Really? Yeah. There's an actual phobia called consecutolophobia. Consecutolophobia, perhaps that's how you say it? Consecutolophobia? Okay. Where you're afraid of chopsticks. Oh, my goodness. Afraid of them? Jerry Lee, uh, Jerry Seinfeld did about the chopsticks. <laughs> They've seen the fork. Yes, right. <laughs> Least the shovel, the spoon. <laughs> yeah. Are you? Um, here's another fun fact about Craigie. Can't can't use chopsticks. Oh, really? Can't use them. I mean, it is a skill. My my wife, my all my children, well, the two of them that I know of, they're all <laughs> they're all brilliant with the chopstick. <laughs> I always have to be the guy at an Asian restaurant. Can I get a fork? Right. I can use the top six. Yeah, I know you can. You're perfect in every way. <laughs> <laughs> you should get that. You take like the rubber band. You should use the cheater. Well, some of them are stuck together at the top. Yeah. But I, I tried all sorts of different ways. I'm just not. I'm not. Uh, what is Dexterous. it? Yeah. These Very hands. Dexterity. These hands are good for. <laughs> Self-loving, and that's it. <laughs> I can open the Toaster strudel. Toaster strudel. Toaster strudel. Earlier, we had a conversation. <laughs> Have you ever heard of the toaster strudel or the uh, Twinkie? In sexual terms? Google it. You'll know. Yeah. We've already, we learned. It's a, listen, we say at the end of every show, what did we learn today? <laughs> we learned something oh, today. We learned something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyhow. Yeah, that's just me. In Finland, a tradition of getting drunk at home in your underwear is so commonplace, <laughs> there's a word for it. No, I'm not even going to try to say this word. Call the Ven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're a legend in I, Finland. I'm moving to Finland. Callus. <laughs> uh, oh, no, I'm not even going to try to say it. It looks like the name on the back of a Finland hockey jersey. Okay. Uh, but basically, the rough translation is pants drunk. <laughs> That that Finland. Didn't we just read that Finland's like the number one country in the world to just, live in? I guess we're getting hammered in the afternoon in your underwear. There's another reason. A guy who invented the safety pit in the mid-1800s came up with it because he desperately needed a way to pay off a debt. A $15 debt. Really? Yeah. I don't know if he made the safety pin. What is the, um, who is it that started that thing of getting a safety pin and trading up? Do you remember this? It was on YouTube. And somebody went all the way to owning a home. They they took a safety pin. They traded it to somebody for a pencil. Then they got a pencil, and they traded up for something else. Really? And it went on and on and on and on like this till they got a home. Yeah, I'm sure I saw it on YouTube. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. There are only 644 people who've been in space. The definition of being in space is at least 80 kilometers above Earth. Okay. Yeah. I love this. The guy who invented the revolving door came up with it because he hated having to open doors for women. <laughs> <laughs> There's a shover in this thing. Yeah, that's right. Spin her around. And people in Nigeria drink more Guinness in a year than people in Ireland. In Nigeria? Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, even like at St. Patty's Day, when I said, I bet you in Ireland they kind of look at it as amateur hour and don't even bother with it. No, I think they still tear it still up. partake. Yeah. <laughs> Just like here. As much as we mock a Canadian, there's a lot of people that drink it. That's true. Ireland and Finland, pants drunk. 
Oh, perfect. Rock Mornings with Craig Venn and Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.